Did you know Super Awesome Mix has an app? Go to the Apple App Store today and download Super Awesome Mix. It's free. You could start creating and sending your own digital mixtapes in just a few clicks. Also, there's links to our Instagram account and a link where you can follow your favorite podcast. Speaking of which... Welcome back to another Super Awesome Mix. My name is Matt Sidholm alongside my co-host and co-founder of Super Awesome Mix, Samer Abusalbi. Samer, how are we doing this week? Doing real well. I can't believe it. I mean, you teased it on an earlier episode, but here we are, 99 episodes of Super Awesome Mix. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is our 99th mixtape. And, you know, a lot of shows celebrate 100, right? Like, you know, you got to get right. that century mark. But I think since pretty much day one, we have talked about the year in 1999 and how much great music we thought came from that year. And so, you know, we thought, well, let's celebrate our 99th mix instead of our 100th mix and just do a tribute to. Our our favorite maybe our favorite musical year nineteen ninety nine. It's high up there for sure. Yeah, I feel like ninety nine is a good one. Ninety seven was also a really good one, but we already missed that. So I guess maybe <laughs> until one hundred ninety seven, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. well, or nine or literally one thousand nine hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say ninety seven episodes. By then yeah. I'm guessing we'll be reaching a little bit, and so yeah, we will probably have to do year specific <laughs> ones at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are. We'll see if there's an upper limit to how many mixtapes yeah. one can make. Well, uh, once we hit we'll the year see. 1900, it'll just be year by year, right? Like, okay. Now, in 1901, <laughs> this was a monster hit. It sold seven copies, guys, which in today's term would be 70 million. <laughs> it's triple platinum <laughs> if the RIAA had existed back then. <laughs> it did not though it did not um but yeah so 99 episodes so we did music from 1999 and um i picked songs that i had on repeat in 1999 this is by no means you know we always have that disclaimer by no means a complete list there are so many good songs and uh from the year you know we also had andrew brand on the author of the book uh mixtape for the end of the world which primarily featured songs from 1999 as well as they reached Y2K. So that was an excellent mix if you're itching for more, why, you know, 99 music. Um, but here we go. Yeah, like I think I think we have a really, really good mix here. I was excited about this one. Yeah, and a really diverse mix. Like I think we, we hit mm-hmm. a lot of different genres. So, that, so that's good. So, so let's get it going, okay? This was your first pick. And I thought no better way to start the mix with Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? Living living that crazy life. <laughs> we got a mixtape podcast <laughs> going on a hundred episodes. Um, oh my goodness. I love this song. I can't think of a better song to encapsulate the year 1999, at least in my head, right? I think, you know, we tend to kind of have nostalgic views of the past and and kind of not look at all the terrible things that were going on. Um, you know, the 90s by no means were perfect. There was a lot of civil rights issues, as there always have been, and, you know, other things going on, of course. But when I look back at 99, I'm like, ah, oh, what a simpler, easier time. 
Um, of course, I was younger too. That's the other thing at play. So you know, I was like in high school. So, you know, who's worrying about the world when you're in high school? You got your whole life ahead of you. <laughs> unless you're unless you're Greta. Um, you know, you're not really thinking <laughs> about the world. <laughs> yeah, unless you're Greta Thunberg, who was not alive in 1999. You no, know, it's... Whew. I'm just going to let that one yeah, sit. Yeah, just let that one sit for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I loved this song. Um, what great energy. Um, I mean, this blew up. Um, incredibly happy song. I think the Rolling Stones or someone rated it as like one of the happiest songs of all time. It absolutely could, you know, belongs on that list. Very, very catchy beat. Contagious energy. Um, and yeah, I just think like that's. That's what I like to think of, you know, whenever I think of 99. We've got some dark songs on this mix, funny enough. So, so we're going to open strong and then kind of deflate the balloon a little a bit. A little bit, so. a little bit, right? Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Ricky Martin had his moment in 1999. This was actually like his fifth album that this came off of, but it was his first big English language hit. And he performed at the Grammys that year. And it wasn't even this song. Uh, that he performed at the Grammys, but like people went nuts for Ricky Martin after this mm-hmm. Grammy performance. Like you could, you can Google or go to YouTube and and find the 99 Grammys performance by him. And uh, it, it was crazy, especially because I remember the artists in the crowd, like really getting into it. <laughs> and usually they stay pretty cool. And instead right. they just kind of got swept up into the energy of the performance. Um and then that, so that was February 99. Then a couple of weeks later, this song is released. And of course it, it just goes crazy. So um, yeah, monster hit for that time period. But also like, I, I love that you included it because that was a real like moment, like a real thing. And and then you just got this wave of Latin artists after that becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely the beginning of something awesome for sure. <laughs> All right, track number two is your pick, and you went with My Name Is by Eminem. Yeah, so Ricky Martin, you know, we just talked about him making a big splash in 1999, but, you know, we got our first taste of this guy named Eminem, and uh, this is the lead single off of his first album, and uh, I just remember, I think the thing that stood out to me, it's like you heard it on the radio a little bit, but then the music video was just so funny. And so weird. Mm-hmm. But then when you got into the lyrics, you realize like there was a little bit of a darker side to them as well. But I, I think it was just an immediate signal like that this was going to be different. And, um, you know, over the next like I'd say decade, you got a lot more Eminem and, you know, you got a, a lot more out of his lyrics um, that, that he really went after some people. But yeah, this uh, this song, I mean, just. I just remember hearing it a lot, but also, you know, go back and watch the video because it's just kind of peak Eminem sort of making fun of everything and everyone. Yeah, this definitely set the tone for for the first part of his career, no doubt, like just kind of attacking a bunch of different people and groups. And, you know, I think if we ever if we're itching for mix ideas, we could do like songs that didn't age well and it would probably (laughs) just be feel like it'd be like Eminem and probably some Kanye thrown on there, you know, like just <laughs> things that maybe don't get played as much, you know, going into Seemed the like a good idea generation. at the time, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but no, it's, I mean, yeah, my goodness, this song was very different. 
I mean, just very different. And it, it really did like you heard it. You're like, oh, wow. Like it caught your attention. Um, what I thought was really interesting that I didn't know is that the name of this song and kind of the whole premise of it is like he was so nervous meeting Dre, uh, who helped to you know produce this album and the song that the first words out of his mouth were like, hi, my name is, um, you know, Eminem. Like and so then that just kind of stuck. Um, the other thing I learned is he used to do all of his songs in one take. And like literally if he messed up at the end of it, he just rolled the whole thing back and and do it over again. Like he didn't want to edit any of his tracks. Um, and I just think that's incredible. Like with that in mind, listening to the lyrics and the rap that he delivers, like to do that in one take is very impressive. <laughs> yes, it's it's insane to think this is all one take. Yeah. Yeah, wild stuff, but really good pick. Strong opener on your side. We're actually going to go with a different pick of yours. Uh, you get two back-to-back here, and it is another strong contender for 99 year. Someday we'll know by the new Radicals. Yeah, so I, I'm you know on this quest to include every song from New Radicals' only album in a mix at some point. And so I, I picked this one because I hadn't included it. I hadn't included it elsewhere. That's uh, essentially why it's on here, but it's also just a great song. Um, so this was their second single. So you get what you give is their is their big hit. It still gets a ton of radio play. And then this was the second single. By the time this single came out, the band had broken up. <laughs> so they have yeah. this monster single. They put out this album. This is the second single. The band is already dissolved at that point. Um, appropriate enough because the song is about a relationship falling apart. And um, how someday we'll understand it and talks about, I, I just love the lyrics in this one and how it, it is so, you know, well done in, in sort of a reflective way where it's like, there's so many things you don't understand, but maybe someday you'll know and someday you'll understand why. Um, the lyric that always stood out to me from like the first time I heard it, I remember is that line where he asked, did the captain of the Titanic cry? <laughs> Right. Which I think is such a great question, but also at the time, very appropriate because I don't know, Titanic was probably still in theaters, even though it'd come out in 1997. (laughs) Right. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think my sister saw it like 14 (laughs) times. So it's still very top of mind for people. So it's like, yeah, well done, including that, but also, you know, a good question as this monster ship is sinking, but um, yeah, just a great, I mean, well-written song. Again, I talk about this album all the time, how great it is and how unfortunate it is that these guys only made one album. But, you know, another one to to check out. For sure. I, I actually wrote here that, I mean, this album, and there are a number of albums out there, right? Especially the ones where it's just like the one album from an artist that was perfect, where we could just probably do an entire episode just on the album um, and talk about it because, like, the songs are so strong and they each stand on their own. You know, the miseducation of Lauren Hill would be another wonderful example, which I also believe came out in 99. So that's, that's another strong contender for why this year was so great. Um, but I do love the song. This is actually the song I fell in love with the New Radicals um, listening to. And I always thought it was a love song. Funny enough, this was in the category of songs I just misinterpreted <laughs> as a love song as, as a young teenager. Um, and it wasn't until much later I was like, oh, right, it's a breakup song. So I apologize to any past interests of mine if I put this on a mixtape for you. <laughs> it's probably really confusing. Like, why is he giving me breakup songs? A week later, she's like, look, I know we're breaking up. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? It just made you that mixtape. And you're like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's time to move on. 
<laughs> That's why they were all so short-lived. <laughs> I love the kind of running theme we have of you misinterpreting lyrics and giving them. I'm like, I would just so love to that. have some of these past relationships, like, you know, call into the show and just be like, yeah, no, it was, it was confusing. It was definitely confusing getting that song from Stammer. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, all right. Well, thankfully, Samer, I mean, this next song applies to you because you're definitely seeing better days. Um, it's better days, parentheses, and the bottom drops out by Citizen King. Yeah, I don't know that I have listened to a different song from Citizen King. And even <laughs> doing this episode, I was like, I was like, I should probably try to listen to something else from from this group, um, from this guy. And, and I haven't yet. So that's on me. I will do that. But I love this song. This is another song that, you know, makes me reminisce about the year 99, uh, especially because it was featured in the show Malcolm in the Middle, which was like just a huge, huge show. Um, and, you know, my goodness, talk about an actor who had a huge arc going from playing the dad on Malcolm in the Middle to um, to Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Brian I- Cranston. Yeah. Just <laughs> right. the bozo dad on Malcolm in the Middle. And then years later is winning right. every award on on, on Breaking <laughs> Bad. Yeah. Exactly, for playing like a masterful drug lord <laughs> that, whew, that's a great I'm gonna show. I'm going to be honest, um, I called it in 99. <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds crazy, there's no way to prove it, but yeah, you called I called it. it. I called yeah, it. well, you were a visionary. <laughs> you were a visionary. Um, You know, another addicting, happy song. Uh, the song definitely makes me like full of joy. I always love the bridge, like the random little sample, which I thought was like very 90s where there's like a woman who I think is saying like, like my Gucci bag. And then there's a guy, Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. It's like so random, you know, like just these random little samples thrown into songs back then uh, that I really enjoyed. So, um, but yeah, I really like it. Even though again, you know, as I read through the lyrics, I realized that he's literally talking about how he's had better days. And so he's kind of going through a rough patch right now, but I always just interpreted it as like the good days are here. Why not? Well, yeah, it's kind of, you're right. It has this kind of happy, poppy sort of tune to it. But yeah, it's like they're they're not having a great day. Right? And then the bottom mm-hmm. drops out, right? It's almost like sort of this, how much worse could this this day get sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, you, you said at the beginning, you're not sure if you've heard any other songs from them. And I had that same thought. I was like, do I know another Citizen King song? <laughs> I really did like think, and then I'm like, you know what? This this is a one hit wonder uh, because right. this is a song that still gets played if you're you know on various Sirius XM channels, it'll it'll pop up. But um, yeah, we have not heard anything else from Citizen King, at least not on a big radio airplay level. I'm sure there's some super fans right. out there that can tell us otherwise. For sure. All right, so track five here, uh, strong pick. I liked this one, and it was Goodbye Earl by The Chicks. Yeah, The Chicks, known at that time as the Dixie Chicks. Um, This was one of, I mean, they had already had a number of big hits, but this album Fly came out, and Fly was a really big, I mean, just single after single after single was like really big for them. Um, And this one just always stood out to me because, I mean, if you're not familiar with the song, It's about domestic abuse and how, you know, this woman getting abused and her friend decide that they're they're just going to murder this woman's husband and and get away with it. And the uh, the video is so well done. It's it's really and again, the song is super upbeat, 
the video is almost comical because you get Dennis Franz playing Earl. And then, you know, you've got Lauren Holly and Jane Krakowski playing Marianne and Wanda, the two women in the, in the song. And so you've got all these great actors in there and they're all kind of dancing around and having fun about how Earl had to die. And, um, you know, goodbye, Earl. But it's like, when you take a step back, it's like, oh, you know, they're going to murder this guy. And this song's about domestic right. abuse. And like, it's kind of a dark song to where like a lot of radio stations at the time refused to play it because they were like, yeah, it's a little too, little too much. And it was actually, I think the first kind of hint you got that, you know, the chicks were, cause later they got a lot more controversial and, you know, got into some some trouble, you know, right or wrong, like, you know, we, we don't need to get into all that, but they definitely got a lot more political as their career went on. But at the time, they were just a great, like, kind of country crossover sort of trio. And then this song comes out, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is something a little different. Right. But it was still kind of a pop hit. You heard it on the radio all the time. Yeah, this song definitely has an edge to it. You're absolutely right. Like, I, I view it as almost like a dark comedy kind of song because – you know, they're they're singing it so lightheartedly and it's it's set to kind of, a you know, sonically it sounds more upbeat and kind of fun and playful. But but you're right. It's literally about like murdering someone and getting away with it. Um, I feel like if you've not seen the show Bad Sisters, that's an excellent show on Apple TV. This could have been like the theme song for that show, um, because that show also has a very similar like theme of of, you know, this group of women deciding that someone's spouse needs to die, basically, because he was like a, a grade A a-hole. So um, <laughs> I think uh, they missed op- an opportunity there. They could have done that. <laughs> is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird, and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so your next pick, you went with Steal My Sunshine by Len. Yeah, this is another favorite of mine from 99. Um, I love, like, the conversation that occurs at the beginning. You know, again, like, just people talking in the middle of songs. I I feel like it doesn't happen so much anymore, but that was definitely something that happened a lot. Um, I love the question where he's like, well, does he like butter tarts? It's like just a super... (laughs) Super Canadian question, apparently. Uh, I've not had a butter tart, but apparently they are a a butter-based pastry, uh, is my understanding. Which sounds looks really inherently good. pretty good, right? I'll, right? I'll buy in. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, yeah, like, I, I really, I just loved the sound of the song. Like, I just played it a lot. What's kind of funny is, you know, looking at it now, all these years later, and really investigating the lyrics... I just kind of feel like it's like a song of like these guys, Tim and Chad, who are just commenting on their bandmates like Mark and Sharon and then just being like kind of mean about them. You know, like I just kind of feel like they're giving them a lot of flack. And it's like, what what's up with you, Tim and Chad? Like, come on, back off. What makes you so great, huh? 
Right. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, this is a, I always consider this, you're right, though, like, if you dig into the lyrics, it's really not. But this is another one that I consider kind of a fun song. But I remember it from the movie Go, if you recall that movie then in 99. And uh, that was a really kind of underrated, fun movie, but also one that's kind of about a lot of criminal activity. <laughs> so it's also kind of one of these, it, it probably fits that in that it's this fun sounding song with this fun seeming movie, but but maybe neither are as fun as you might think it is. Right, right. I have not seen that one, so I, I'm not too familiar, but that that seems to fit thematically with this That's one. definitely worth checking out. You may want to go see that one. Yeah, okay. and not in a, Sam, you're going to hate it, but I want you to watch it sort of thing. Like, I, I sure. genuinely think you would enjoy that movie. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Um, track seven here. Now, I think for these next two tracks, we both get a, a little down with our <laughs> with our mood. Um, you went with Adam's Song by Blink-182. All right. I just felt like this song was really important. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. when I think back to 1999, this was a song that always stuck with me because even at the time when, you know, the Internet at that point, people don't probably realize this. First of all, there were no smartphones for sure. And like looking up lyrics on the Internet and meanings or anything like that, really, it just wasn't a thing. Right. And so um, but but even at that time, you hear the song and the tone of it and the lyrics and you're like you know exactly what this song is about. And they do such a good job. I thought it was such a departure for Blink-182 that was such a fun band. They're still this fun band, right? But um, they wrote this song, and the song's essentially about teenage suicide. And, uh, you know, even the opening chords of it, like, I get a little emotional, like, still listening to it now, even though I have no experience with with those types of emotions or, or, thankfully, no direct experience with that, like... It's still something that resonates. And I, I think that really speaks to the quality of the song is that it can kind of get you even if you don't have a memory necessarily to kind of uh, attach it to. But um, yeah, I, I think it's so well done. And again, I love it when a band is really known for one thing and then can do something else. Speaks to kind of how talented these guys really are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of was a preview, you know, now knowing what they did with their career it was like a preview that they they also had an edge, like they could go dark with their music and and be very comfortable in that space. What I think is so funny is like, A, it's on an album called Enema of the State, <laughs> right? B, it's nestled, it's track seven on this album, and it's nestled between track six, Dysentery mm-hmm. Gary, and then, <laughs> and then All the Small yeah. Things, which is another like mega right. hit of theirs, right? Um, and so I just think that's amazing. Yeah. Like you, you come off of dysentery Gary and now you're like, oh, right, great. I'm reading a suicide letter of a young teen. Um, and, and it's like total mood and vibe shift. And then now you're talking about all the small things and like you're back, you're back at high energy and like punk rock and all that stuff. Um, so you're right. Like, I think it's, it was really kind of cool and, and brave of them to throw this in there and, and to put it right smack in the middle of the album, um, to where it just demands your attention. Like you're going to hear it. Um, and I think that's probably a big part of what, what made it so impactful at the time. And that album was everywhere. I mean, that was a huge album. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, there's no iTunes in 1999. So you're pretty much just buying the whole album and listening to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's take a little a little shift here, at least from a genre standpoint. And you've got Porcelain by Moby. 
Yeah. Oh, I love, love, love this song. And I think, you know, we talked about 99s being the start of, of new things kind of making their way to mainstream. And I think this song was like one of the first kind of electric songs to kind of hit the mainstream, um, certainly to be as big as it did or, it, you know, become as big as it did. So um, love, love this song. I just think it has this kind of like haunting mix of piano and that electronic beat and his, you know, the beautiful vocals. Uh, it's a song about a breakup, so it's definitely like a, a moodier, sad song. Um, and what's really funny, you know, in doing the research on it is he didn't want to release this. He said, um, he quote, I had, I actually had to be talked into including it. When I first recorded, I thought it was average. I didn't like the way I produced it. I thought it sounded mushy. I thought my vocal sounded really weak. I couldn't imagine anyone else wanting to listen to it, uh, end quote. And I just think that's incredible that he, you know, he put this song on there reluctantly and then it ended just becoming one of the most like prominent songs off of this album and, and one that got played a whole lot. And then 20 years later, it was sampled by ASAP Rocky um, in the song ASAP Forever. And so it had a revitalization off of that. Um, so I just think it's, yeah, it's amazing. And, and it speaks to, you know, I talk on my show, Super Awesome You, sometimes like what's, you know, what's junky to you might not be junky to someone else. Like, don't, don't, count yourself out. Um, you'd be amazed. Like, just put it out there and see what people think. Um, so I, I like that aspect of this song a lot. I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I talked at the top of the show, how we really did a pretty good job of including a lot of different genres on this. And, and it kind of speaks to like in 1999, there were a lot of different genres out there that were getting regular radio play. And I think for Moby, this, you know, dance electronic artist, I mean, he really had a moment there for several years where he had a lot of radio hits, which is rare, I think, for that that type of music. But yeah, this one was everywhere at the time. It's only, I counted, there's 63 words in this song. Wow. So pretty, pretty yeah, low. Yeah, very short. Like not many lyrics, but they're impactful. And uh, you're right, it's a really well done song. And you're right, you get a little bit of instrumentation along with like the electronic part of it. So yeah, really well done. Awesome. All right, track nine here. One of my uh, great pick. I love this one. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. And it's My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Yeah, this is such a fun song. Like, it's both, you know, regretful and funny at the same time. I mean, at the time, you know, 1999, I was 22, just graduating college. And so this song was right in the wheelhouse of, you know, any number of people that I knew. Okay. And maybe myself where it's like you wake up the next day and, you know, a lot of regrets about whatever went on the night before. Right? Right. And so, yeah, that was the, uh, I, I felt like they just described this all pretty perfectly. And then it's just a great like sounding rock song at the same time. It is. It has that that energy um, that's really fun. And I think like, you know, when I think about 99 going into like 2003, like those four years or so, you know, you had like Lit, you had All American Rejects, you had a lot of groups come out that had this kind of similar sound to it, where it was like this punk, like, but more mainstream punk, you know, like it is much more playable on the radio than like traditional punk. Um, and so I, I love that. And this kind of maybe it kicked off that that kind of love affair with, with that genre of music. But this certainly is is on that list. All right, track 10, you've got a monster hit, um, Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, my goodness. Um, 
originally I wasn't going to include this on here, but like Californication, the album is probably one of their best albums, uh, if not their best album. Uh, you know, there's they have a lot of contenders, but I loved this album. I had a hard time picking which track I wanted to pick off of it. Um, I had thought that maybe I hadn't picked Scar Tissue before, but it turns out I had. So, oh, well, we get to talk about it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to this song a lot. Um, I didn't know what it was about. I just loved the mood of it. I loved the tone of it. You know, I think when you're a teenager, certainly I was very, you know, like moody. Um, I think emo had was beginning. You know, we were like in the early part of like the emo movement. Um, and so, you know, I was getting into that kind of, grungy you know uh life sucks and blah 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 um even though my goodness my life was great <laughs> at, at 14 <laughs> oh young summer <laughs> you have no idea but you know i just yeah i love i love this song for the guitar solos the instrumental breaks his voice like the storytelling um kind of struggling with addiction what he's talking about and trying to like come back into normal life you know being an addict and feeling that loneliness that, you know, as he says, like with the birds, I'll share this lonely view, like just feeling that you're high above everything and you're not with the people down below. Um, I think it's, it's really poetic and powerful, but absolutely love this album. And I've been listening to it ever since. Yeah. The lyric that stands out is scar tissue that I wish you saw sarcastic Mr. Know-it-all. Like just those two lines have all stood out to me. And then, you know, putting it on this mix where we just had Adam's song kind of highlighting how you don't know sort of what somebody's going through. Like that kind of stood out to me a little bit more listening to this again, because I was like, yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's like we kind of look at somebody and sort of make a judgment about them, but we don't really know what's going on or what they've been through and and all of that. So, um, yeah, this was. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So it's a great pick and really kind of hit hit a little differently i think when i put it in this mix with with adam's song just a couple tracks before it all right our last two tracks here um are really strong to end this mix so we'll start with yours first and it is heartbreaker featuring jay-z by mariah carey yeah this one i mean okay jay-z at this point he's probably three albums into his career and he's pretty big at this point, like where it's just kind of single after single after single. Now, Mariah Carey at this point, she kind of made a splash in the early 90s. And then mid 90s, you get the uh, All I Want for Christmas is You, which is still like, you know, the biggest song in the world right. every year. Right. Um, but then she also had in like 96, 97, the collaboration with Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, that set like a record for being at the top of the chart uh, for a number of weeks. But so then comes 99 and like she comes with this song Heartbreaker, which I mean, is a pretty strong song just by itself. But then she collaborates with Jay-Z and he comes on the track. And I just think it's a great song and one that's a little underrated. Like you really don't hear this much, but um I think it's a great one for, for from her catalog, but then Jay-Z makes a great addition to it. Yeah, I agree. Really, really strong collaboration between these two. Um, I, I didn't really, like many of them, didn't pay attention to the lyrics until kind of going through it. And, and I liked it. Like, I thought it was really clever. You know, it tells a story of like, basically from the point of view of a woman wanting to leave a guy, but she can't, even though she knows that she should. And I think Jay-Z's, you know, coming in and being the other point of view of being that guy that like she's trying to leave and kind of being cocky about it and being like, oh yeah, she says that she hates me, but she doesn't, you know? And like, 
a very kind of common theme sometimes in relationships where, um, you know, one person wants to leave the other, but the other has like this confidence and this allure and like there's like this kind of, you know, arguably a bad place to be in. But anyway, I think capturing that in the song and having the two voices do that makes it very strong. Um, and it's a great track. So really, really nice one. All right, let's finish it off. Our 99th mixtape, the last track, Forgot About Dre by Dr. Dre and Eminem. <laughs> and I'm laughing here because we both wanted to put the song on here. And so we just need to know that none of us forgot about Dre. <laughs> so <laughs> Dr. Dre, if you're listening, don't worry. We we still remember you. <laughs> we, definitely, we didn't forget about Eminem either because he's on here twice. We, yeah. Right. I know. What a what a splash he made. Funny enough, after putting this mix together, I went back and watched the Super Bowl show of uh, having Dre and Eminem and, and all those guys at 50 Cent and Kendrick Lamar, because I was like, you know, what? that was a great halftime show. That was that was really good. And watching it a year later, I still believe it was a very, very good show. <laughs> like, I think it's one of the classics. Um, when those opening beats hit and you've got Dre at the board, I mean, I have never heard a crowd at a Super Bowl halftime show, get into it as much as as you hear them there. It was wild, especially being, you know, they were playing in LA. Like it couldn't have been more perfect, right? Yeah, he could have. Um, and when those when those first bars hit, he honestly could have just stood there and done nothing for like the twenty minutes that they were supposed to be out there, right. and then everyone still would have been like, "Man, that was incredible!" Right? Remember that? Like he just kind of <laughs> stood there and we thought he was going to start, then he never did, and then the the second half right. started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is such a good song, still gets played today, obviously still a monster hit when it's played. Um, apparently Eminem wrote most of the song, which I did not know. I think that's incredible, but you kind of hear that. And I think you also hear it because it's like, you know, he's a little bit more, a little bit more cocky, a little bit more sure of himself. So you kind of, I understand now that Eminem wrote that because that's definitely, you know, that was his vibe and his whole thing. So I think that's incredible. But yeah, what what an amazing career that Dre has had, you know, thinking about the arc that he takes going from, you know, where he was in 99 producing this music to the launching beats and having that bought by Apple. And I mean, everything that that he's done since then is is incredible. So it's really kind of cool to to look at that um, from from the point of view of, of a very successful businessman, basically. Uh, but great song that still holds up. Yeah. And at the time, he had kind of hit a little bit of a lull. Like if you if you mm -hmm. watch that documentary on HBO, D Defiant Ones, like, you know, people weren't really feeling a lot of his recent music. And then he came out with Chronic 2 at this time and then also was producing Eminem. And I think those two things happening at the same time, it was just like a huge comeback musically. And then you're right from then the business side just kind of took off. Yeah, incredible. Well, so there you have it, folks, your 99th super awesome mix. This one, a tribute to probably our favorite musical year, 1999. But don't worry, we have got plenty of mixes ahead of us. Um, hey, tell you what, that's our 99th mix. Let's see if we can get up to 99 reviews, okay? So if you're listening to this right now, take a second, whatever player you're on, give us a five-star review. Uh, follow us at Super Awesome Mix, and Samer and I will get to work on our next 99 mixes. So for Samer, this is Matt. We'll see you next time.
Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop DLMSupplyCo.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's DLMSupplyCo.com. 